And do you think that perpetual balance is the reason why we have the pendulum swing? We swing back and forth because when one becomes unbalanced, we are pulled back to the center by the other, and then it overcorrects, and then it it's a cycle that just keeps repeating. I think it reminds me of um, something that I read about. I think it's called the Strauss-Howe generational theory, which I think is like super cool, absolutely unproven, and like probably not super duper founded, but it's the idea that like you have every 20 years a generation um, and there's four generations in the cycle um, and I think so you start off with a generation that is like very high um, in that it, it's like prospering it's doing really well um, and then you have an awakening where people start to realize that like okay maybe the rules set out by the previous generation aren't that great and like we should be examining them more closely and then I think like the third one is unraveling when you start to um reckon with the realization from the previous generation and you're like wait something's up here it's starting to fall apart and you see the negative consequences of the rules set up by previous generations and then the fourth generation is like crisis so it's like you're building a house you're living in the house the house is falling down and then now the house has fallen and you're trying to fix the house. And you're, it's like, oh, I have no house. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we are in the crisis generation right now because <laughs> everything is very much falling apart. Um, but I think even more interesting is that every generation has an archetype to it. Um, so it's like either the hero or the explorer, I think they call it the nomad, but within the crisis generation, which is our generation, the archetype that exists is the artist. So I think it's very telling that the identity that they place in times where things are the most scattered is basically saying that like art, beauty, and aesthetics will prevail. And I think that's really beautiful and very hopeful. Um, even in a time of extreme crisis and when you can only see the dark. And it reminds me of how when you read like very macabre texts, you are very hopeful of humanity. So it's like, I think it's an interesting back and forth. Um, yeah, I don't know if that made any sense. <laughs> hmm. I just want to like dive deeper into that. Mm -hmm. okay, so could you like, like elaborate a bit more on that idea? When all goes to shit, when say like the pandemic happened which is like the most immediate example of crisis that i can think because it's extremely top of mind um we all kind of turned to art in one way whether it be music i think a lot of people started painting and drawing again and or just like creating even like baked goods and like pastries and stuff like that like remember everybody's sourdough face <laughs> maybe it's not the most like grandiose example or not the most profound but I think that like in times of crisis, people do turn to art. And if that defines our generation as the archetypal artist um, in a generation of crisis, um, then it means that we are making something out of like supposedly nothing and we're starting to build up again. Um, and I think that building up after everything has kind of fallen to shambles takes a certain type of creativity and tenacity that is encapsulated in a lot of artists. Um, so yeah, I would say that that's what I think about when I think about artists and crisis. 
So, in conclusion, we should fund operas and we should fund ballet houses and we should fund the arts. That is yes, <laughs> yes. We need to. We need to all just go to museums. We should all go on a trip to uh, Musée du Louvre, and we should go see the Winged Victory. We should go to the Vatican, you know, and immerse ourselves in the arts. Mm. I also- love art. Yes. Yes. Hey, and and I think I think that guy's theory is absolutely true. Although I think uh, his his like quantitative categorizations of each time stage may not necessarily be true. However, the general idea I I do believe it is true because if you look at the cycles of history, okay, there's always the uh like the the core genre of history is this this uh uh dissolution of civilization and the reconstruction back and forth it's a cycle cycle again and again and it's 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 and there's something to it there's something to it yeah and i see this most like physically present in the destruction and rebuilding of cities i've been in kind of an urban planning kick recently so this is going to be a ramble but <laughs> i think it is so fascinating how cities are the interface that guide how we live our life like if your main form of transportation that your city is built around is cars then you're gonna have like cities that are almost like expand expanded and inflated which means that you have people that generally walk less and interact with others less and it also means that because you have a car to get everywhere you can build your city further out causing something called urban sprawl which is often credited as the driver for a lot of problems like social problems it drove a lot of segregation between populations because now you have like wealthy people that can afford cars they're able to move out of the city and they never really have to interact with people that are like of lower socioeconomic status and like when that is the case then like you don't you don't see people that aren't in like the same suburb as you and then it also means that like environmentally you have like more pollution um because you have to drive everywhere and then in terms of like infrastructure costs like building pipes out to different suburbs like that costs a lot of money too so it's like how you construct a city plan can literally change the lives of like not only the millions of people living in your city now but like the hundreds of millions like living in your city in the future And I think now that like people are doing these things called charter cities, where they're literally building cities from scratch, I'm like excited, but very scared at how we're kind of accelerating the building and rebuilding of civilizations. Um, Because I feel like there's a very like techno-futurist approach to it that is kind of scary because humans are very bad at predicting um, the consequences of our actions. (laughs) Oh. What you were talking about on the interconnectedness of human uh, human societies, uh, it reminded me of a theory that I came up with over the summer that I was going to share with you that, okay, that time, yes. but I forgot to. And okay, so it's not necessarily a theory, more so like an articulation of how, like why it is that... Um, human civilizations collapse why there there seems to be this point in development where uh, 
or advancement be plateaus and begins to fall. So it seems pretty self-evident that human civilization and its advancement falls upon the elaboration and the advancement of all its creative processes, right? Mm -hmm. Within it. So, So I think that's why human civilizations become more advanced the more interconnected it is and you can imagine okay imagine um uh back in the olden days back in the hunter-gatherer days you had very simple uh creative processes maybe you had three steps you had uh, you had uh gather seed plant seed <laughs> harvest plant right and those were very simple processes with very simple tools but over over time you elaborated on these nodes, you expanded the web to, uh, you know, now we, we have different processes for germinating the seeds, for for um, altering the, the DNA makeup of the seed, of, the, of uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, and then you can think of plant, there's different ways of planting the plants now, you know, different techniques, different uh, methods, uh, different technologies. So. You can imagine this initial three-step process expand into this massive web, mm. right? And at any point in this web of human civilization, when you connect all of these creative processes together, you would find some central keystone elements, electricity, uh, you know, tr- transportation, our road systems, for instance. And all of these creative processes rely on these these uh, these keystones. Mm-hmm. And if one, it, it's like the food web. If you destroy one, it it collapses. Uh, maybe the entire web. Hold on, let me see what I wrote about it. Mm. Okay, I, I wrote something here. Okay. Okay, here. Okay. Uh, development of socio-economic and political nodes. Uh, Processes, institutions, and etc. are not novel creations, but the isolation and the increasing sophistication of each part of the process. The fundamental question that drives our advancement is how we can better each part. Wait, better the part to better the sum. The development of sophisticated forms of farming wasn't created, wasn't to create a novel method per se, but branching the umbrella concept into um, infinitesimal segments and subsegments, then isolating them as individual processes that require improvement. However, you would find that these node nodal segments are isolated. Oh, so oh my goodness, I can't read. Nodal segments of isolated processes aren't mutually exclusive to one umbrella concept. Digging tunnels, for instance, are used for infrastructure, geology, farming, and etc. The problem is, is if one process is disrupted a chain reaction occurs oh my goodness i wrote this a long time ago i yeah okay i i hope that was comprehensible no i think that's really relevant because (laughs) at the beginning of the pandemic um a lot of farmers were suffering because weather predictions were off and they were trying to figure out like okay with our gigantic expensive ass computers why is it not computing properly and it's because they were lacking data because flights were being interrupted and the majority of weather data was collected by 
airplanes that flew on a consistent basis. So it's kind of funny how like the aviation industry is directly related to like the agriculture industry in ways that we cannot even begin to comprehend like beforehand. So it's just like, it, it scares me um, how fragile our systems are, but I think it's also really cool. Like there is a whole abundance of infrastructure that is necessary to get like an Amazon package to your house within the span of two days. And it just happens. Like the postman brings it to your house. Like there are trucks that bring it to a warehouse. And I just, I don't know, logistics are really freaking cool and kind of underrated. <laughs> yeah, like as Jordan Peter says, when we wake up and the lights are on every single moment that we want it to be with the, with the flick of a switch and it's on. Wow, why aren't we just going insane over that fact? Everything works 100% of the time. Yes, and it's like when you have a stuffy nose and you like get rid of the stuffy nose, like the four minutes afterwards, you're like, oh my God, how incredible it is to be able to breathe. But I don't think about that all the time. I don't think like, hmm, like oxygen, right? <laughs> Maybe we can just like rattle off some things that we should be appreciative of, but we aren't. Oh, like, okay, ask. clear eyeglasses. Okay. Yes. Because okay. For some reason, my. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me go on a very short tangent. Okay. My. For some reason, my glasses get dirty so easily. Maybe because it's because I have a pretty flat nose bridge and it's pretty close to my face, and I have really long eyelashes for an Asian person. So it oh. just it just <laughs> gathers dust. Anyways, so every time I clean my eyeglasses and I put it back on again, I'm like, oh my god, I can see. The world is here, and every single day, I'm just blown away by this revelation. And afterwards, I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> that is that is kind of nuts. I want to talk about how incredible the public schooling system is. I think it definitely has its flaws, but like the fact that people are able to get consistent, reliable, and free education for like 12 years of their life. Incredible. That's like kind of nuts. And probably yeah, and teachers actually show up. Maybe they yeah. And they try most of the time. Some teachers don't, but you'll find you're, you, you'll still learn in some way and uh -huh. mm -hmm. also the internet what the heck there are giant cables running under the pacific ocean that enable us to that enable us to call right now that enable me to look up a recipe for like flan at like the butt crack of dawn because <laughs> i want to like it's so crazy and totally underappreciated I think it's so funny that a shark that bit one of the gigantic wires actually took out the internet for like, <laughs> I remember it being like a real crisis that like a shark took out the internet. Um, but since then they have enforced these cables heavily. Um, and yeah, I just- Oh my God, by the way, similar story, but this old grandma in an obscure part of Russia or something saw one of these cables and thought, I don't know, it was a, a nuisance to her, I don't know, her, her, her site so she just cut it with some <laughs> shears and it took out the internet there that's insane that's so mm. funny to me um i want to like geek about programming for like a hot second so 
there are these things called npm packages in, in software development um and it's basically because like programmers are generally lazy if there are libraries or like packages of code that people have written before and would be useful to another software developer we don't want to write it again so we just install the package and then we use it in our software but along the way people are installing packages to create packages and then people are installing those packages to create more packages so like you have this giant chain of dependent packages and there was one guy that just got sick of npm the company um not paying him enough for his creation or not paying him at all for his creation so he took out 17 lines of code javascript code from his package that so many other things depended on and he took out the internet for like a minute and 17 seconds one man 17 lines of code crazy i think it's insane um, but yeah, they promptly patched it, but the sheer power and the amount of reliance that and trust that we have in each other when it comes to these things is remarkable. And I think like, damn, humans are so cool sometimes. I um, know. I told when I see these horror snuff films, I think <laughs> this is what humans are capable of. But we make the decision every single day to not do these things to a point where they only happen on the absolute fringes of society. How amazing is that? How easy to be evil. How hard it is to be good. And every day it is the overwhelming like majority of people that are good. This throws me back to your conversation with Shannon. Call back to the previous podcast where you're talking about how love is the choice that you make every single day. And every single day, people choose to be good. Isn't that crazy? Like, the amount of love that is in humanity and to make it, like, function properly. Like, there, there's an element of love and an element of hope even in getting your lights to turn on, even in getting, like, this Zoom call to open. And I think that element of trust is like, I don't know, I think for a while I was very cynical because of climate change because like, oh my god, how can humans destroy a planet like this? And then you get really frustrated, but then you see this and it's like, oh my god. There, there has to be a balance that must be struck because we can't like absolve humanity for the sake of protecting a planet as important as it is. There needs to be a way to find an equilibrium where we're able to balance like the incredible innovation and really remarkable <laughs> connectiveness that no other species has been able to to create um but also like protect the precious planet that we have like only one chance to live on so i don't know it's a lot but yeah it makes me it makes me happy that you're here that we're all here and that we've made it to this point i guess <laughs> oh my god we need to give more humans more credit Humans are so damn amazing. So damn amazing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we take it for granted. I mean, yes, the climate is dying, but we already are doing so much. I mean, if you look at the statistics, uh, I think I am much more hopeful. Uh, you know, I have faith that humanity can overcome anything. I have faith. It may be irrational, but I believe it. Completely. I, I disagree that hope is irrational. I think hope is the necessary instrument if you want literally anything else to function. Because <laughs> you can't you can't get people to do things out of fear because 
or maybe you can but it's not sustainable so maybe hope is actually the realistic and pre- pragmatic approach that people shit on for no apparent reason i don't know i don't think that hope is naive i really don't <laughs> i think that if you're a hopeful person you are like you are a hopeful person despite it all then props to you one of the rare ones out there please let's be friends like <laughs> I, i think having hopeful people makes life worth living hmm. and this reminds me of the conversation of religion we were talking about because although i do agree with you hope is the uh th- this precedent that needs to be achieved for anything else to happen there need to be pull and push factors working in unison for i think uh mm. real change to occur perhaps that, that's why we need we need a balance of hope and fear mm. i don't think maybe hope has the emotional momentum that is forceful enough to push us towards um the type of change that we would uh create if we had a combination of both i think that's why religion we have all these conceptions of good and evil hell and heaven mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we want to go to heaven and we're scared of going to hell So that forces us on this moral tightrope, you know, and where we don't, where we we don't fall off the edge of one side or another. That's interesting, because I think what we were talking about earlier with like taking certain things for granted or like it being really easy to do bad things, but we don't. I feel like being evil to an extent is almost like our default, or like being selfish. Um, because like biologically it is something that we like we prioritize ourselves in order to achieve an end and that would be like to survive or to do well um but hope is faith in the collective and faith beyond self hey maybe that's the modern religion <laughs> hope hope in humanity is <laughs> i don't know Maybe that's, I don't think that's enough. I am not a religious person. Maybe I should be. <laughs> yeah, let's just go to church together. Yeah, I would, I would like to do that. I would like to, to immerse myself into a religion for a year and like really, really feel it. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe I would stay there <laughs> if, it's, if it's really nice, but. I was getting into Christianity and then the pandemic happened. I'm telling you, you don't feel I during mass when everyone you have this huge room of 200 people singing together, that's when I feel God the most present in my life. There is some sort of higher force that is that that I cannot help but feel with every fiber of my being. Mm-hmm. And perhaps it's that like materialistic uh, Christianity idea by like Hegel, which is that, uh, you know, Jesus and God had died on the cross and the Holy Spirit was birthed and the Holy Spirit is uh, is the is the is that which connects uh, people together when they come and worship 
um, of, of the Lord. And it is precisely that community which is the holy um, element. This is unrelated, but it reminds me of, I guess, like my perception of why post-secondary school is still valuable, not necessarily because of the content, because you can grab that off of a, like an online MOOC or like a like the Gutenberg Press would have put <laughs> like post-secondary education out of business a long time ago, but. I think the root of the value comes from people and like the people that you get to interact with and talk to um, and maybe not on as like spiritual or like profound level as within like religious mass but I think there are so many things that are proxies for for getting people to come together and and form like Wait, I'm gonna turn off my notifications. <laughs> oh, interrupting this <laughs> lovely conversation. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things that are good excuses for for people to just come together. <laughs> this is also off topic, but the faith in the individual, the faith in humanity, and um, I I feel that is this. This idea is more reflected in the conservative perspective of the world. Mm. Um, and I think that is one area where I do lean conservative in terms of like morally, I'd say I align with them in terms of um, that. But ultimately, what I've realized about this conversation of politics and morality is I don't think that there is a moral differentiation between left and right. Mm. They both want the best for humanity, Mm -hmm. but perhaps they have different means of approaching that end. That's super interesting because I never consider Democrats like pessimists, but I, I can see what you mean by that because there it's heavily reliant on like a very driven few to set up institutions to like good institutions that we can fall back on almost as like fail safes um in the case of like poor behavior or um less than favorable intentions whereas the republican party it's very much individualistic and like we trust humans to make the best decisions not only for each other but for themselves Huh. I never, I never thought of it like that. That's interesting. Mm. So I never understood uh, when people said, "Oh, I can't talk to him anymore because it's just a matter of values. We have different values." Mm. I, well, you guys both want the best for humanity. It's just that your uh, proposed I method is different. I think that's why you guys need to understand each each other better. I think there's definitely more common ground than people would like to admit. Mm. It makes me really sad that people are are cutting off friends because of political ties. Because then you're essentially closing off any possibility of like increased exposure to different ideas and like I think with 
exposure comes familiarity and with familiarity comes acceptance and if you cut off that first leg before we can even get to the the step of becoming familiar like that we're, we're cutting off the any possibility of acceptance between people of different political beliefs and with acceptance comes cooperation and i think that's the most important end goal mm. yeah i mean when people say especially i find it so funny when people on the left say this which is we need to open up the discussion everybody needs to join the conversation but a lot of radical uh, people on the left it's not that they want more they only want you to join the conversation if your experiences and your perspective coincide with their political narrative you know and it, it doesn't you'll say they'll say you are invalidating my experience how dare you well i say you're invalidating my experience or whatever and <laughs> and it's more it's not like let's have a discussion it's more so um it's not let's talk it's i talk you listen Mm. Yeah, I think like both ends of the spectrum are, I think, have similar behaviors. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, oh, here's, here's an observation that I made about uh, people, like the political situation in America, which is I find that political uh, conservative media personalities are more rational than those who they represent. And the inverse is true for those on the left. Meaning that um, people on the left are more rational than those who represent them in the media. Interesting. Huh. Okay. <laughs> I guess I can see that. Because when I listen to Ben Shapiro or Candace Owens, uh, Stephen Crowder to some extent too, um, they're far more rational than, you know, I actually met a stereotypical Trump supporter recently. I never thought I would meet one, at least in Canada, but I did. You know, she believes everything that the Trump supporter <laughs> trope would believe in. Anti-vaccine, you know, everything is run by the deep state. Uh, you know, uh, the democratic institutions are Marxists and they're anti-God. Oh my God, it's crazy. And when I talk to Trump supporters, they tend to be far more irrational than those who represent them on the media. I would like to have a conversation with her one day. <laughs> with your with your uh, friend. I think it'd be interesting to hear out. Um. <laughs> yeah, I wanted, I wanted to get into a deep conversation with her so badly, but my mom was there and my mom is far more diplomatic uh, than me. <laughs> She she diverted the conversation very quickly. I I find it so funny that we're just like a couple Canadians talking about <laughs> American politics and a couple of agnostic people talking about religion. <laughs> Again, we are just mediators. We are people on the outskirts of this whole thing. We're just observers. Mm. We need people like us. Mm. But it's also funny when you put two mediators in a conversation and <laughs> we can't agree on anything. <laughs> there is no consensus. Consensus is not is a is a bad word here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The only thing we can agree on is the fact that we don't agree on. <laughs> yeah, but we agree on the fact that humans are awesome. Yes. We have faith in 
humans and i think that in the end we will overcome perhaps that's why we are mediators we are able to see the value in all of humanity and all forms of expression perhaps we're just deeply great like thankful and mm. and hopeful people mm. i think for me a lot of that stems from being like like a big empath like i i'm so empathetic to a, i'm just empathetic to a fault like it's, it's like not <laughs> Like if I see something in pain, I don't care if it's like a rabbit <laughs> or like or like a forty-year-old man, um, like buying gum at like a gas station. Like I I will feel for you. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know. I think it's a necessary perspective. But sometimes I wish I wasn't like this. I wish I could be more like objective and just like hard-headed. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. It helps you make more money and navigate business better. Yeah. That's probably what we'll both be going into at some point, right? Yeah, who knows. I <laughs> I can't bring myself to do things that feel exploitative in any way. So I think like a, some finance jobs that are very high earning but feel like somewhat icky to me. I I can't see myself in like um people that like screw over other people for money like I, I, can't, I can't think of it I can't even yeah not consultants though I think consultants are very neutral and like very future driven and like and, like solution driven to like fix problems rather than <laughs> con people out of their money yeah even though now if I think about it if you ask me am I willing to do something uh wrong for the sake of my job, I would say absolutely not. But ultimately my bigger picture is the reason why I'm doing the job I will do is for my future kids, for my family, for my loved ones. And when it comes down to it, when I'm put in a situation where I have to make the decision between me and someone else, and I'm caught in that dilemma and I have no way out of it, I would choose the bigger picture over that. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, I think large majority of people would definitely agree or like do the same thing in in those shoes. I think, I guess, like for me, I would probably end up doing that too. But as much as I possibly can, um, I think there was a philosophical concept that I really liked when I first heard it and it's like Raoul's veil of ignorance where it's like if you did not know where you could be possibly born into is this the decision or like if you didn't know the possible if you didn't know where you could be born into whether it be with country socioeconomic status family etc would you make the decision that you are right now and I think it helps me think about things in, in more of an equitable way. Um, like, why are we negligent to the suffering of people overseas just because they're far away? Or like, <laughs> I don't know. Or like, why are we... I don't know. Because that, that could have been me. It could have been born elsewhere. And it wasn't. 
so i don't i feel like a lot of my life will be trying to pay back <laughs> that sort of privilege i guess that I was born into but mm. easier said than done i don't know it, it's a work in effort work in progress yes <laughs> Yeah, it reminds me of that discussion we had many years ago when I was telling you about uh, Oh my goodness, we are just a speck of dust in this universe and you told me something that I still carry to this day, which is that um, Oh no, I was telling- no, uh, we, I was talking to you about the possibility of us living in a virtual simulation and you said What is the point of considering all of the levels in which of, of existence when we live on this one and we should focus on this one something along the lines of that this is the level of existence that we exist on and perhaps this is the one that we should focus on it doesn't really matter um, if there's a higher existence uh, outside of our own so wait how, how that ties back in to this is sometimes it's not very practical to be a, a global like to be globally aware mm -hmm. and you need to be able to recognize the scope of your capability because good intentions doesn't make you right mm -hmm. and when you try to do something uh just for the sake of doing something you may end up uh creating consequences that are contrary to your initial goal mm -hmm. yeah no definitely i think that's a problem with a uh, modern uh, social justice as well it reminds me of a lot of microfinance pilots uh where a lot of western countries went into india specifically and tried to set up these like loan groups for women to be able to to save money together um, but what happened is that in a lot of the rural slums, because they weren't extend like the Western, the Westerners going into um, the underbelly of Mumbai, like they weren't extending the financial arm to all women, just the women that they were able to access and talk to and um, that they were able to like directly provide the service or they could afford to provide the services to. Um, and then what actually happened is that in these cities, the women that had access to these external loan services, they created more expensive loans for poorer women to <laughs> get loans from. So it was just like, it, I think you're totally right there. Like the good intentions don't equal righteousness. Uh, yeah, I think that's something that I'm still trying to reconcile. So I think it's like a good reminder to have in the back of your head <laughs> well i'm not directing that towards you i think that uh you are someone who uh continuously increases works on increasing your capability in order to execute your good intentions you're not like these people at all okay you're not, <laughs> not like, like them at all girls. i'm quirky <laughs> No, you are morally righteous and you're righteous in your actions. <laughs> Why are you wearing any label of that sort, though? Because I'm... S that is... Uh, <laughs> a large responsibility to shoulder. So I would rather be imperfect and try than 
to claim any righteousness at all. <laughs> mm. Well, well, you try your best, and I think that's what's important. Mm. That's what is very important. But that's how I will always see you, though. No pressure. <laughs> Not no at pressure. all. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just sort of like bathing in this nice aura of positivity <laughs> right now i like it yes listener if you're still with us join us <laughs> we will bathe in this aura in the least hippie way possible <laughs> yeah and i hope our future selves from many years later will be able to derive some interesting insights on how your past self was and i hope we can make you proud in some way can do you have a message for your future self just like as like a letter oh i wanted to make i wanted to make one of those things a letter to my future self let me think wait okay share yours first okay so something about the university that i'm going to attend waterloo is that it has this rat race culture where it is absolutely all-consuming and kind of scary it like consumes people from from their career up <laughs> and it's just like the fervent desire to like really want to work at certain companies and it becomes people's goal and ambition and like end basically so it it scares me and i'm worried of falling into that because it's so socially present um i think if future me is five years into the future hello anson from the future i hope they have like autonomous cars by then i hope that <laughs> um there has been some progress made in like climate technologies i hope that you are doing well and that there's not like a giant health crisis going on but most of all i hope that you are still you i hope you are still everything that Kristen imagines present me to be um <laughs> And I think a, my motto right now for directing a lot of the things that I do is like, would your future self appreciate this? So like, if I think it's like a good model because it's kind of agnostic to the situation and future me may appreciate um, me sleeping early or me eating properly or exercising. And I hope, hello future me, um, I hope everything that I've done leading up to you existing has been enough. And I hope you're happy with it. And if you aren't, then you can talk to future, future, future me, and you can change the way that you're acting so that future, future me will be happy with it. Um, so yeah, I hope you still have hope and I hope you still believe in the power of human connection because it it supported you for so long. So let, let's give back to it a bit. <laughs> But yes, um, hello, that is all. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Oh what about God. you? I'm getting, I'm getting emotional just listening to it. <laughs> I'd see a pic. All black. I think that intimidates people too. And you wear like really cool jewelry. Like uh, if you meet Kristen in real life, you'll see her with like the coolest chains and like sick ass rings. Anybody wearing all black with that amount of metal on them, I would be afraid. So... <laughs> Yeah, I just have a very sophisticated style, okay? <laughs> and, and I'm I'm kind of tall too for an Asian girl, 
and I guess that feeds into it. If I was Anson's height, I would have been, <laughs> I would have been nearly as. No, you have you have the personality of someone who's eight feet. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a Goliath personality. <laughs> My personality is dummy thick. <laughs> You're just giant in every <laughs> metric. Longitude, latitude, you are wide. Okay. So my letter to myself. Okay. Listen, future Isabel Bell. Focus on the goal, not the process. And I know that sometimes you can get caught up in the minute details of the present but life is a very long journey don't compare your chapter 2 to someone's chapter 26 don't even compare your chapter 26 to someone else's chapter 26 because stories unfold at different speeds maybe their climax was in chapter 13 and yours is yet to come So, whether you are 20 and still figuring things out after graduation, it is okay because at the end it is achieving the goal that matters, not necessarily when everything falls into place. And I have full faith that you will achieve everything. Oh my goodness. That you set yourself up, that you put your mind on. Because I am awesome, and so are you. <laughs> you should do these more often. You should do these with every guest that comes on. Like, do you have a letter to future you? <laughs> yeah, I should. I should. Oh, let me also think about this more, because because I, I really I really like these little time capsules. When I was younger, uh, I made myself a time capsule where I drew a picture of my family. It's really bad. But I completely forgot about it. I was like four years old. And then I found it when I was around 13. And it was such a... It, it was just this cathartic moment when I just realized I I am... I exist in the now. I feel like the overarching theme of this podcast so far has been like cycles, pendulums, and time capsules. Like we brought up those three concepts like so many times, but intertwined into different topics. <laughs> Should I should I name the podcast this? I feel like people would feel like it's a bit too cryptic. Yeah, they'd be like, oh, what is this pretentious bullshit? Yeah. It seems like astrology and like that kind of vibe. It does. I mm-hmm. mean we are like basking in aura, so maybe we're like halfway there. Why don't we just like talk quickly about just transition to a completely different topic um, and finish our agenda here. We wanted to talk about our career and retiring. And this sort of, actually this transitions pretty nicely from our last subject because this is a message to our future selves and now we're talking about what we want our future selves to do. Yo, look at us go. (laughs) Yeah, we're keeping ourselves accountable. So me, whether you're 35, 25 or me, or. 18, I'm going to be 18 next year because I'm a December baby. I'm always younger than everyone else. Listening in. Here's, okay. So career, what do you want to be? If you asked me one year ago, I probably would have said astronaut. But I think 
that I want to keep going with software for a bit just because I think it's really cool. It's like puzzle solving. Um, like one puzzle after another and you're gonna make something that people are actually gonna use. And I think that's that's super cool. Um, but I think the state of mind that I wanna be in in like 10 years is that like, hmm, this is actually tough. I, <laughs> let me think about this for a sec. Maybe I'll talk about my like long-term, long-term goals. That's probably easier. And then everything will be a means to the end. So <laughs> I want to have enough money to buy a, a big ass plot of land in a very, very crowded city and just have this mini oasis where you can have a community garden and people can come together and they can throw garden parties and eat and cook and barbecue the vegetables that they grew and like, like just, just party and listen to cool music and make lemonade. Like, how sick would that be? And like, it's basically like the house in Up where there's like skyscrapers all around and you just see this tiny ass plot of land or like maybe not tiny, maybe it's huge where people can like grow carrots. What? That's so cool. Okay, <laughs> that is my end goal. And however I am able to get there by making enough money to afford that plot of land, um, pulling the right strings in government so I can have my tiny plot of land let's make it happen <laughs> i want an army of children <laughs> as i was discussing on the last podcast i mean i guess this feeds into my belief in the individual and cultivating the in the individual and that being the most meaningful change mm-hmm. and i want to develop myself into someone who is a good enough parent where my kids will become will follow in my steps and become great individuals and and exceed me become better than me but also i don't want to be too good of a parent where they don't want to leave the house and and they will live with me for the rest of their lives i want to be bad enough of a parent where they still have a, a desire for independence so I want to fail and succeed at the same time. (laughs) And (laughs) I don't have any lofty goals at the moment, but this is, to me, is lofty enough. I think Um, commanding an army of children is extremely lofty. (laughs) (laughs) I want want as many kids as I can. Uh, Well, okay, not too many. I have like single digits, Uh, you know, enough where I have satisfied uh, my army size, but not enough, not like too much where I forget their names, you know, that vibe. Am I cutting out? (laughs) Oh my god! Oh, you can hear me? Dude, what the heck? We were, we, we've been on this whole diatribe about how reliable and how amazing human civilization is and, and how <laughs> dare, and the, the internet cuts out for me like three times. Yeah. Okay. So wait, did I cut out? Yes. Um, wait, where like, was I? I'm not going to lie. I don't remember. you talking about having an army of children having enough so that your needs are fulfilled but you still remember their names okay yeah that's where i cut out and okay good so that that is my goal it is 
it is not lofty where the goal in it within itself is something that is somewhat out of my reach but i want to invest all that i am and more into this and that's where i think it becomes a lofty goal mm. i had a professor that passed away recently bless him his name was igor and he never had kids but we always said that in a way he had 400 because <laughs> um, he treated all of his students with so much intention and care and he was the type to like bring Timbits before every class he would stay after to like talk about things he sent emails at like 4 a.m to other two students that were like not doing so well just encouraging them and they were like customized ass emails and like oh my goodness he gave it everything he had and more and I think like if you're doing the same for those nine kids oh my god those are gonna be the nine luckiest kids in the world holy shit <laughs> and yeah I'm not approaching this with um with naivety either I think I'm fully aware of the horrors of the universe of human society and where we are but I it is because I have so much faith in humanity that I can say with confidence that I am I am more than happy to fulfill this duty that I have set out upon myself maybe I'll have some sort of lofty goal in the future for uh, you know societal betterment okay but but I do want to uh, just learn and share I just want to continuously learn and share through some way maybe um, through podcasting um, writing a book who knows oh my goodness am I I'm cutting out again am I cutting out again this is so stupid dude what the heck what the heck anyway so fourth time is this is this a universe trying to tell us that we are wrong that humanity is this trash can you keep in all of the times that you cut out like it's so funny <laughs> I'll, I'll shorten the time span but i think yeah yeah maybe i'll keep them in. like one of those speed up things where it like gets really fast uh, <laughs> i'll insert something like an eternity later the spongebob <laughs> thing <laughs> Oh my god. Wow. Mm. Maybe this is a, a omen. This is a sign. <laughs> or maybe your voodoo doll is just being absolutely trashed right now. And <laughs> I don't know. I don't I don't think anyone has that much of a personal vendetta against me to create a voodoo doll. <laughs> That'd be like an like a interesting voodoo doll where you only cut off their Wi-Fi intermittently. Only when they're doing podcast recordings. <laughs> <laughs> I mean my god they know my schedule very well okay and what about retiring those are my retirement goals i'm gonna buy a big farm in the city <laughs> that's all there is yeah oh my goodness i feel like i should have some aspirations towards societal impact but it's more so, I think, in, in this way, I'm more focused on the process. I think having kids and 
um, just sharing what I'm learning or sharing my learning process is enough. I don't, I'm just going to put myself out there and I don't really have a goal um, because I find the most uh, impactful change are the most intimate ones. With Sparkathon, for some reason, it wasn't the big events that were organized that was most meaningful to me, but just working one-on-one -on -one with teams and getting to know them over a long period of time and getting to know them on a personal level and inspiring personal change on top of professional development. That was the most meaningful to me. Mm -hmm. And I think anything that I say I want to do now will be a shot in the dark because I don't know what <laughs> I'm going to end up doing and any guess I make will be incorrect. So <laughs> maybe this will be a time capsule as of right now. Climate tech, I'm coming for you. But other than that, <laughs> we, we, don't know what's, we don't know what's happening. So what, what are the, um, the values that guide you? If you can't articulate specific milestones you want to reach, what are the principles that you would like to follow regardless of those milestones? Follow my curiosity, natural curiosity, because I'm lucky enough that it has never done me wrong. Um, yeah, that and um, do no harm. <laughs> And I think those two in combination, I'm optimistic about the outcome it may lead to. I think uh, I don't foresee myself being Machiavellian in the sense where I would harm people for like an end that maximizes social good or something like that. Like, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> so just continuously try to be good and curious and I don't think there's much more that I could ask for what about you follow your convictions I don't just just keep reading Jordan Peterson and follow his <laughs> the thing that he no um okay honestly for me it's pretty much the same as you but I'm trying to think of something that's different uh, the same we can be um guiding principal buddies I feel like there should be a catchier term for that. <laughs> yeah, curiosity and doing good. But I'm, I think I'm willing to not be uh, immoral for the sake of the bigger picture, but I'm willing to break the rules for the sake of the bigger picture. Rules don't necessarily indicate morality. They're usually a pointer, but I don't, I don't think they're synonymous. So break yeah. all the rules. Go yeah, so I just want to um, make that clear to the audience. If there's any policy, any uh, anything that's imposed upon me by whoever um, that I don't agree with, I will fight by word and by deed. I am on record for, um, you know, resorting to violence if necessary in order <laughs> for the greater good. We will not get into that. But catch these hands. Oh, my God. Oh, I thought of a better term for it. We can be principal partners. We are, we are we are peepees. Oh my god! Oh my god! Just... Oh no. 
<laughs> I'm sorry, I have a very amateur sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is what I like about talking to you. We can transition towards making intellectual jokes and making just laughing over the toilet humor, bathroom humor. Oh god. Versatility. <laughs> yeah. I'm still giggling. <laughs> <laughs> Always self-betterment. Always. Self-betterment, always. As long as you keep moving. Sometimes you need to go down in order to catch the momentum to run back up. But as long as you keep moving. Th that is, I think that is, that is one more thing. Keep moving. I'm going to keep moving. Mm. I'll never stop. Just, I just want to reiterate something that Jordan Peterson said which is do what is meaningful not expedient <laughs> and <laughs> I think personally I want to be able to shift my intentions of why I'm pursuing certain things away from like spite and fear because <laughs> I think um, curiosity has been a really good north star for me to follow because I think for a large majority of my life up until I was like 16 or something I did things because people said that I couldn't and <laughs> that's maybe not like a good way to approach things but since then by doing that I've found things that I'm naturally curious about and I'm letting that be my driving force instead of like being angry <laughs> and somewhat fearful of like falling behind i, I want to be at peace with myself yeah <laughs> i want to be at peace with myself this okay what you said reminded me of something else because the other day when i was thinking about which university to go through go to i was just i was just considering every single detail of my life oh, where should i live in the future where where do I want to have kids? What is the best place? To... And then I realized, why am I stressing over all of this? I'm not alone. Mm. I'm not alone. Why am I placing all of this burden onto myself? Mm. And it's not fair to my future partner who I'm going to execute this plan with. <laughs> <laughs> I can't decide everything by myself. Mm. And that, strangely enough, gave me a sense of peace. And I fell asleep afterwards because it was 4 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> mm. And <laughs> hello, future partner of Kristen. Join us in the PP cold. <laughs> oh my god, it's exciting to think about, and I hope that I never lose that part of me. Who I I, I hope I never lose the romantic side of me. I hope I always see the beauty in life. I hope that I will always continue to be grateful. And I always will continue to have faith in mm. life's processes, in the future of humanity, in my own capabilities and my own capacity for change. Yeah, you tell them, Kristen. <laughs> and I hope the audience can resonate with this, or maybe you'll hear something and that will give you a bit of courage to hope. That's a wonderful note to end on. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I was literally about to say would would you like to I think I've, I've given my final thoughts would you like to chip in 
I think I've given mine too. This has been pretty exhaustive. Not <laughs> exhausting, but exhaustive.、Um, but yes, to anybody that is still listening at this point, holy shit, you are a trooper. <laughs> at that point, let's be friends. Let's talk. Find me somewhere. And let's. Yeah. You can find Anson Yu. How can they find you? Easily. <laughs> <laughs> and more specifically, Carrier Pigeon or. Um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, the whole shebang. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we talked about everything we wanted to talk about today, surprisingly, because our notes were so all over the place. I'm surprised that we actually touched upon everything. Our notes are like 10 words. <laughs> yeah. Should we just read them out? It's growth, retiring, career, comedy. Okay, I don't think we talked about comedy, but anyways, social media, algorithm, politics, Google Home, <laughs> religion. Okay, that was a note just for myself and being a good citizen. Uh huh. And I, I deeply, deeply, deeply enjoyed this conversation with you. And it is people like you who make. Who give me so much faith, give me so much gratitude. Oh, Kristen. <laughs> And you reaffirm my belief in humanity. We are capable of so much cruelty, so much evil, but we make the conscious decision. We overcome、uh, the unconscious, we overcome the,、uh, the obstacles that are, that are not overcomable. <laughs> <laughs> here we are. Here we are in、yeah. all our imperfect glory. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay, cool.